Welcome to the 2015 Faith Forward podcast series. The following presentation was recorded live at the 2015 Faith Forward gathering, April 20th through 23rd at St. James Cathedral in Chicago. During these four days, hundreds of conversation partners from around the world and spanning dozens of denominational traditions gathered to equip, resource, and inspire one another toward innovative theology and practice in ministry with children and youth. This podcast episode features Brian McLaren's presentation at this gathering, which he titled, Looking Back as a Parent, What Worked, What Didn't, and What I Hope Faith Forward Can Do. Well, it is a great pleasure to be here, and I just need to apologize uh, before I begin because I'm only able to be here today, and I, I, uh, in fact, I'm really glad I'm here today. I was in Arkansas last night, and the f- really nice guy who was driving me to church, or to, from church to the airport, his car broke down halfway there. So I'm thinking I'm going to miss my flight. And he was really upset, you know, that I was missing my flight because of his car. He just doesn't know how, what a mess my car is. And, you know, so I, I kept telling him, don't worry about it. I've missed flights before. Um, he had to call somebody to pick me up at the roadside and take me to the airport. And wouldn't you know it, my flight was also delayed. So it worked out perfectly, except that I had to go through Atlanta, which meant that then I missed my second flight that was supposed to bring me here. So I spent the night in Atlanta, I got the first flight here, uh, which was kind of nice because they upgraded me to uh, first class, except that I was sitting next to a guy who spilled a whole glass of orange juice. And if you see my pants look bad, I, I, I came in a little puddle of orange juice on the way here. So I'm just really glad to be here, you know. Um, but I'm also glad to be here because uh, Dave said, hey, Brian, why don't you just talk not about your work kind of as a writer and theologian and so on, but as a father and grandfather. So um, I never get to do this. So I'm really, you're just doomed for a lot of photographs. <laughs> but my w- wife, Grace, and I uh, were blessed with four amazing kids. They're now 34, 33, 31, and 28, sort of. You know how birthdays come and go. And um, now we've been able to watch uh, three of our kids grow up and get married, and uh, have uh, two of them have had kids of their own. And so I'm looking at this subject of how we think about the spiritual formation of children and youth. I'm thinking about it now as a father and as a grandfather. I have the amazing... Pl- pleasure now of watching my kids raise their kids and struggle with how they raise their kids uh, in the context of the good news of Jesus Christ. My oldest daughter, Rachel, is a college professor, and it's very obvious that her daughter is a budding theologian. A couple weeks ago, the nanny was taking care of the kids um, when my daughter was at work. And, she's, and my, my granddaughter, it's so interesting, I did exactly this. My granddaughter takes a piece of paper. She's, you know, she doesn't know how to write. She's just about to turn four. And uh, she takes a pencil or a pen and just scribbles on the paper and talks out loud what she's writing. You know what I mean? And I did the same thing. Like, I filled up books with scribbles, and I remember thinking it was kind of like writing in tongues. And I, I, I wondered, what am I saying, you know? And um, so she was talking out loud, 
and she told the nanny, I'm writing a letter to God. Dear God, I have a few questions for you. Do you have a job or do you just play? I like that question. Uh, and then her next question was like way beyond me. Are the people who died with you in heaven now or are all of us there and we don't know it yet? <laughs> Whoa, I'm thinking this is some good theology. Um, my, other, my son had a few, uh, has two daughters and his younger daughter uh, was born uh, quite prematurely and she just weighed two pounds when she was born. It's almost scary when you see how tiny that little hand was. And, and now we're going through uh, the challenges of what it means for this beautiful little granddaughter of mine who has some kind of learning disabilities. They're trying to figure out if she's on the autism spectrum. And, um, and you know, it's, all of you who are parents, you know there's just, your heart gets bigger. You just find there were dimensions to it you never knew. And I didn't expect it was gonna get even bigger as a grandfather. And so this is a big part of our life now, is thinking about what it means to, to see the faith be in you and then wonder how it's going to show up in your kids and how it's going to show up in your grandkids. And, and so I'm at this point where I'm looking back on my life thinking about what worked in what I tried to teach my kids in the spiritual life. And I'll tell you one thing that worked is the fact that we prayed at meals and we prayed when we put our kids to bed and and that rhythm of prayer that was just part of daily life, it's really, it's really stayed with uh, the kids. It's, it's stayed with them as a, a feature of uh, just a rhythm of life. Um, I, I really wanted to give my whole talk about one of the things that's worked, which was connecting God to the experiences of life. Can, helping the kids when they experience awe, when they experience joy when they experience surprise to just let that be a moment where you you say god has blessed us we're so blessed uh, in the pains of life and difficulties of life let's ask god for some help let's ask god for for some support because my uh, youngest granddaughter has had uh, some developmental issues uh you know she never played with anybody she just didn't play with other kids at all and my son got home from work the other day, and um, his two daughters are playing together. And he sent a text and said, Dad, I wondered if I'd ever see this in my whole life. Uh, life is good, and God is good. And it was just a moment of that sense of being blessed. Uh, I, I think um, connecting God with acts of service. Uh, uh, my, my kids saw their parents try to serve other people, and and uh, put ourselves out for other people. And now I watch my kids doing that and watch their kids watching their parents doing that. And you realize that when your faith is expressed in acts of service, it's just, uh, it, it's stuck. It stayed with them. Um, I, I know that one of the things we've tried to do with our kids through the years is share our own struggles, including our own unanswered theological questions and our own frustrations and our own struggles of faith. And and it's interesting to see how much a part of my kids' lives that is in, um, in sharing with their kids. Um, Grace and I often ask our kids to pray for us when we were going through something tough. And that's something that stood the test of time. And 
And when our kids were very young, I, I remember one Sunday, uh, one of my sons stayed to the bitter end of all the church activities that I as a pastor had to be involved with, and we're driving home, and it's just the two of us in the car, and I said, so Brett, how was your Sunday school class today? And he said, oh, Dad, I don't want to go into it. He was about six years old. Dad, I don't want to go into it. I said, what's wrong? He said, Dad, like, I felt like he was apologizing to me that I'd be really disappointed to hear what they talked about in a Sunday school class in my church. Dad, I'm really, I don't want to go into it. He said, today it was really far-fetched. I thought, a six-year-old far-fetched, where'd you get that? I said, what, what happened? And I didn't know what to expect. He said, Dad, they tried to tell us about some bunch of people who came to us ocean and it opened up and they walked through dry ground. Can you believe it, you know? But, um, you know, it, what we tried to do with our kids when they had questions is we'd say, well, what do you think about that? What do you think that could mean? And we tried to involve them as interpretive, as members of the interpretive community. And it's fascinating to watch my little granddaughter now as a budding, uh, almost four-year-old theologian, where she feels she has a right to be part of the interpretive community and have her own thoughts and questions about God. Of course, key to this was never judging. Like the night my daughter, when she was about 15, said, uh, Dad, um, I, I have something I need to talk to you about in private. Can you come down to my room? And she had graduated to the basement bedroom. And when your 15-year-old daughter says she wants to talk in private, like I experienced a little bit of atrial fibrillation at that moment. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what is it going to be? So I, literally, she says, sit down on the bed. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. She says, Dad, you believe in evolution, don't you? I said, well, yeah, I think evolution is one of God's coolest creations. And she said, Dad, I don't believe in evolution. Now, at that moment, I knew exactly what had happened. We had hired a kind of somewhat fundamentalist youth worker. And I realized that the youth worker was telling the youth that the pastor was a heretic and he was trying to straighten them out. And what she was doing is she was telling me that she was siding with the youth pastor, which was so sweet because you understand, she knew that I would accept her if, I didn't, if she didn't agree with me, and I don't think the youth pastor would have. But the fact that you can let people be where they are without judging, that was important. Um, and then, of course, surrounding them with friends and community. That's something that when I hear my kids now talk about what it was like growing up in a pastor's family, for them it was not a bad thing. It was being surrounded by wonderful people and by friends. And, and of course, the church became a wonderful introduction to new experiences. My kids went places they never would have gone. Uh, they got involved in projects they never would have been involved with. It really was a wonderful avenue into new experiences. And of course, they part of their Christian upbringing was knowing and having people welcomed in the home who were atheists and people of other religions and they were loved and respected. I remember there was a, an imam from a mosque down the road who was good friends with me and he was not into technology or cell phones so if he wanted to talk to me he would always show up at church and I remember when my daughter ran up to me one Sunday morning and said hey dad uh, your imam is here <laughs> and uh, you know that's, that was a good thing it stuck and of course, you know, even till this day, my, my kids know that their mother and father are continuing to learn and grow in their faith, and I think that means something to them. And also, I think something that stuck is whenever we were sharp with our kids and 
you know, didn't treat them with the respect they deserved, we'd apologize. And, um, and now that I'm older, especially because I had a lot of vestiges from my own fundamentalistic upbringing when I raised my kids, more than I realized, I thought I'd broken free, but with each of my kids, I've sat down with them who, who are now parents, and I say, look, I just want to tell you some of the things I did as a parent that I really regret. I'm really, really sorry. And they say, no, don't beat yourself up, Dad. But, you know, I really genuinely have apologized to them. So those are some things about, our, uh, about the project that seemed like it worked with them. But I have to say, there's some things that didn't work. Um, like that youth worker who affected my daughter for that period of time, and you know, she, she got over that, but some damage was done to my kids by some of the fundamentalism that they were exposed to. And I didn't realize how harmful some of that was to them, and now I, I do. I, I, I realize that when they left my home, when they heard the word Christian, by and large, for them, the word Christian meant something really, really great, really wonderful. And then they went out. I remember when my son started college, and he said, Dad, I hate to tell you this, but the word Christian doesn't mean at my campus what it means here. It means something different. I wish I'd prepared them more for that, and I wish that I had been a little more overt about dimensions of the Bible that, that you know, I read as literature and focusing on meaning and not fact. I wish I'd been more overt with them about that. I wish I'd given them a way to read the Bible much more overtly uh, back then than, than I did. I, and I wish I'd been more bold to see, really what Dave said, that we need some new ways of doing this. And I wish I'd been more bold with the kids, and I wish our whole kids' ministry had been more bold to say, look, we're not just trying to form you in the same old, same old. We're really trying to do something fresh and different here. Uh, and I think I minimize that with them, and I regret that. Um, when I think about you all being together and what this group is about, not only this week, but I think there's a sense that something's building among the people who are part of this, this family and network. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I, I think we need a curriculum of love. Uh, you know, it's no doubt about it in the New Testament um, I, I have it on very good authority that you can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and if you have not love, it's not worth much. And I have it on very good authority that you can have the correct doctrines and you can have the correct practices. And, uh, I, you know, on a Sunday morning, you can do all the right rituals in the right order. Uh, you can believe the right thing about the Pope or the Bible or whatever. And if you don't have love, it's not worth much. I, I have been rereading Paul lately, noticing what an incredibly daring and dangerous person he was to say things like this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters at all. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. I mean, that's a radical statement. And so I think we actually have to get serious, as we never have before, to say if we have kids under our care, whether it's as parents and grandparents, but especially for Christian educators, we say, what is a kid capable of learning about love by the age of four, and by the age of eight, and by the age of 12, and by the age of 16? It's funny, we don't let people drive a car without learning how to make a left-hand turn in parallel park, but we haven't figured out you know, you really shouldn't let somebody get married unless they know how to do this, or have kids unless they know how to do that, or work on a team unless they know how to do that. What is a basic curriculum of love?
for neighbor, for self, for stranger, outsider, outcast, enemy, for the earth, and for God. You know, more and more, I, I, I know this might sound terrible, but I bet a lot of you will get it. I sometimes think we shouldn't even mention God until we've taught people how to love their neighbor and how to love themselves and how to love a stranger and how to love the earth because of something that's written in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Who, who does, does, not, does not know God for God is love. And what strikes me is if we taught people how to love and then we talked about God, they'd say, oh, I already know about God. Because in the act of loving, we experience God. But what do we do? We teach them all of these abstract ideas that they're supposed to affirm and understand about God. Let's tell the truth. Most of us don't understand a lot of those abstract ideas. And, 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 but what would happen if kids, if we said, no, the way you learn to know God is by experiencing love for neighbor, self, the other, the earth, the enemy. I, I hope that Faith Forward also can develop a curriculum of God. You know, Walter Brueggemann says you should teach kids about God the way you teach them about sex. You answer their questions honestly, but you never say anything to them now that you'll have to contradict later on. And, uh, and I think there's this sense that Whatever we teach kids about God, we want to say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you this, but there's a lot more to it than that. And there's more to it than I understand. I just feel like whatever adjectives we use with God, we have to put E-R on them. You know, God is great, but actually God is greater than I understand. God is good, but actually God is better than I understand. God is, it, it, to, to just always tell kids there's more to God than any of us understand. Um, so that when they experience awe, and they take seriously their own vocation to love and, and, and serve in this world, that we help them understand that vocation is a response to how God is, a, is inviting you to be the best and most wonderful person you can be. It, whatever we want to say about God, uh, that we take seriously, this is really important. And it's a good idea to not tell kids about storks and cabbage patches and stuff like that, that later on you're going to have to admit are not true. How could we teach about God more carefully that way? I hope Faith Forward can help develop a curriculum of contemplation or the development of the inner life. You know, little kids have stress. Little kids have heartbreak. Little kids have trauma. Of course, teenagers do too. And you just think there are resources in our tradition, resources in the scriptures that are all about the dealing with the inner life. You know, we, we talk a lot about guilt in traditional Christian theology, but I've had some experiences in the last couple of years of shame where other people shamed me, and immediately I was brought back to junior high school. And I realized nobody helped me much with shame. We, this is all the, the nurturing of the inner life. I think this should be what we, we look, there's not a lot of people out there helping kids with this and helping parents help their kids with this. Faith Forward would be a place that does this. I, I wish we could develop a curriculum of justice, generosity, and action so that we would say, 
we don't ever want a kid to be, to grow up in our, in our faith community without being trained as a lifelong activist for justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I got to spend some time a couple of years ago with some members of the Catholic student movement. And it's not very well known here in the United States, but in certain parts of the world, the Catholic student movement is really powerful. And they have this agenda. Like if you come as a freshman, they don't just want you to go to mass and not have an abortion, you know? They have an agenda for you. They want you to become a lifelong social activist in the Catholic tradition of social justice. And they, like, they got four years to work on you, and they, they know what they want to teach you how to understand and see and do. I think that's an important part of raising kids in our world. Can I tell you something? Um, Fox News is trying to raise them with a political agenda. Every time they turn on a, a, a screen and they get advertisements, there's a whole economic agenda that's being enforced. We got to say, hey, listen, if you, you know, you're part of this congregation, we want to teach kids how to exegete advertisements that are trying, exegete political arguments exegete these things that are trying to form us in a certain way. We've got another agenda. Um, and then I, I think Faith Forward can find ways to promote earlier involvement as participating members of the Christian community. I know a lot of churches have things like Youth Sunday and Children's Sunday. And part of what I wish is we would just say every single Sunday is Youth Sunday and Children's Sunday. You know, I, I was a pastor for 24 years. Now I attend a little Episcopal church on the little island in the little town where I live in southwest Florida. And our rector loves kids with disabilities. And uh, if you ever come to visit my church, you're going to be freaked out a little bit. Because, for example, when the priest says, the Lord be with you, everybody says, and also with you, there's a young woman with Down syndrome and what, here's what she says when she enthusiastically says, and also with you, it comes out, ah, and everybody in the congregation's used to it. Um, when the Lord's Prayer comes, she's belting out the Lord's Prayer, full bore. Um, when you, if you come to my church and they bring up the offering baskets, you're going to see some kids with disabilities bring up the offering baskets. And I, I never would have believed it could become so normalized to treat people who uh, my rector says are diversely abled into worship. I just think we have no idea what could happen if we said fourth graders and third graders and sixth graders are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And we don't include them to just be cute. We include them because we really respect them as members of the community. They have serious, serious work to do and a lot of play as well. So many dimensions to this. Um, you think what would happen if we invited kids to join us in mission and consult them in decision making and celebrated them for good work. Uh, I remember a, an Episcopal uh, diocesan I was at, and these conventions used to be really boring. I was invited to speak at these, this convention, and, and a lot of dioceses around the country are working hard to make those conventions exciting so that teenagers love coming to them. And every year at this one diocese, they honor all these student activists, 
A lot of them are Episcopalians, but they get Jewish students and Methodist students, and they say, come to our diocesan convention because we're honoring you as the compassionate student of the year. You just think this is, this is how it should be, and Faith Forward can promote this. And, and when I look back over my years as a father and grandfather, and I think about Faith Forward, listen, a lot of our work is about Sundays, I know, but can I tell you now as a grandfather how I feel? The stuff that you learn on Sundays that you practice through the week is the stuff that really, really has power. The prayers, the ways you teach kids to pray, that they pray through the week. The practices of honoring other people, of confronting other people, of forgiving other people that happen. Listen, I think we're going to have to realize that for most of us, not all of us, you, we can complain about this all we want, but we live, our, our kids are cyborgs. They, are, they have computers attached to them now, maybe not biologically, but psychologically. And I just think as important as Sunday school books and st stuff were in the past, we're going to find apps that send kids a prayer a day and a morning prayer and an afternoon prayer and an evening prayer that make sense to kids that they're excited about and they want to be part about part of. And can I just tell you one of the really big ones? When I think of all the years I spent in Sunday school learning stupid songs. And then I, I look at my, kid, my, my kids and grandkids, I think it's not much better. And I think the quality of songs that could be taught to kids that could change their lives. And you think, what if we got really serious about, about fun, exciting songs that really worked? And then, of course, boldness and affirming the best of what is in the church, but also leading the way to what can be. Um, because I, uh, in my travels, I can tell you, it's more true now than it's ever been. People are ready for a big change. They're even hungry for it. They're realizing that the world is different. And whatever a lot of us were talking about, about emergence and convergence, it's happening. The cat's out of the bag. The memo is out. The future will be different from the past. And people like you are saying we're going to do something about it for kids and youth. Finally, what I would hope Faith Forward can do in this milieu is to have fun and to be good to each other. And when you are around each other, you know, just realize you're, surround, you're a hero surrounded by heroes. You're a, a, a creative genius surrounded by creative geniuses. You're a trailblazer surrounded by trailblazers. You have all kinds of superpowers that you don't know about. Um, you're a mutant. And a lot of people don't get it, but you're around other people who are also mutants. And so together you're the X-Men, you know? Uh, and that's why I'm so grateful to be able to, just for a short time, be here and express my admiration for you all and my hope and my best wishes for the important work that's going to happen uh, in the days ahead. Um, it just happens, you know, when you hold a baby and you look in those eyes and you think, what's ahead? What's the world this child is going to face? You know, I'm, I'm told that the odds are that all of my grandchildren will live into the triple digits. And you think, what will the world be like? And what does it mean to infuse them with a, a spring of living water that will flow for them all through their lives? till they have grandkids of their own. It's important work. Let's pray. God, ancient of days, who sees the generations come and go, 
guide the people in this room. Lead them by your spirit. Help them be all that you've gifted them to be and more than they can imagine in having big dreams and big hopes for what can happen through them, through their work, through their churches, and most importantly, through the kids and young adults in their care. We're all your children. We're all your children. Amen. The contents of this podcast episode are reproduced by permission of the presenter and Faith Forward under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivations copyright. The Faith Forward podcasts are produced by Dave Sinis. Please stay tuned for more episodes of the Faith Forward 2015 podcast series on the web at faith-forward.net and join the movement at the 2016 Faith Forward Gathering, April 18th through 21st in Chicago.